welcome to the Hell Project podcast. This is where I share all of the results of the research and reading that I've done on the doctrine of hell over the last few years. Uh, I defend the view that uh, without Jesus, we are all dead. Uh, This is the view called conditionalism, and I believe there's better news in it than the traditional understanding of hell. And I try to defend that here. The audio quality may not be that high as it's taken off my YouTube channel and unfortunately some of the streams do have technical glitches but I hope that you stick with it and uh, do let me know what you think, share, uh, get involved through Twitter or even comment on my YouTube channel. I look forward to hearing back from you. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another video from the Hell Project. This is where I discuss the different views of hell and what happens there and what is biblical and what might not be. Uh, So I hope that you're enjoying the video so far. The last two videos were about eternal conscious torment, which is the majority view within Christianity. This video is going to be about conditional immortality and future videos will also cover the view of universal reconciliation or universalism. Now I'm still reading books on the biblical case for that view, um, but conditional immortality is the view that I hold and will be using this channel to defend. And it's actually the reasons that I hold to conditional immortality that I feel are the strongest arguments against universalism. Uh, I will explain that in more depth in future videos, so watch that space. Um, But we're gonna be covering what conditional immortality is in this video. And so my hope in this video is that I show you what Christianity has to offer. And I believe Christianity has to offer life as opposed to death. And by death, I mean the end of your sensations, your feelings and your experiences. Pretty much what we think of when we bury someone, they are dead and no longer around to experience. Now, the majority of you would say actually death is some ongoing form of experience where there's torment. I would say that is not a biblical view, and that's what I hope to show within this video. I'm not going to defend too rigorously this view, as I haven't defended ECT too rigorously in the last two videos. It's more of a, here's the view, uh, and this is what we will be looking at. So the defense of this view will come in future videos as well. To show you just how clearly this is in the Bible, this video will cover quite a few verses, uh, starting from Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is Genesis 1.1. It's interesting to note that hell wasn't created in Genesis 1.1. At least it wasn't part of uh, or seen as important to the author of Genesis. Humanity lives with God in the garden, and that's the story of the beginning of Genesis, is there's a perfect relationship between humanity and God, and they are in this garden with the tree of life. Now, there's one warning that God gives to Adam and Eve, and he says, In the day that you eat of the fruit of the tree of life, you shall surely die. The serpent, on the other hand, heard this and deceived them by saying, You will not surely die. The result, as you hopefully know, is that Adam and Eve did eat the fruit, and so they disobeyed God, and this is the result of it. They were expelled from the garden, they no longer had access to the tree of life, and these are the words 
that God said in Genesis 3.22. Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So actually in the beginning, man and women, mankind was made to live in relationship with God and to live forever. But that was reliant on access to the tree of life, be it a symbol or be it a literal tree. It will come up later on in the Bible as well. But whatever it is, that mankind wasn't innately immortal. They were reliant on God and they were reliant on the tree of life. And once expelled from the garden, death and sin came into the world. So the story of the beginning of Genesis is quite clear that mankind's immortality is conditional on God. And it's conditional on, at this point, the tree of life and access to it. Now, over the course of the Old Testament, we see the impact of this decision. We see the impact of death and sin. And we see that those two words are intertwined. Now, I'm just going to give two verses that really show how intertwined these two words are. First one's Romans 6.23 that says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the first section of that, the wages of sin, the outcome of sin is death. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, we see this, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. So the, the sting of death, or the outcome of death, is sin. So the two so intertwined and we see that throughout the scripture throughout the old testament particularly and we see the seriousness of sin and the impact it has and the uh, weight that god puts on us to remove or distance ourselves from sin the law given through exodus to deuteronomy is all about removing sin or the death of animals for covering sin and we see that throughout the Old Testament that Israel and humanity is terrible at defeating sin on their own. And so death is a massive part of the Old Testament. Oftentimes that makes us cringe and we're not used to hearing uh, about death in, in this way. And so we need to read the Old Testament carefully because there's some important themes within that that are still the same and relevant for today as they were thousands of years ago. Now... Israel was also used to judge some of the nations around them. The nations around them were partaking in child sacrifice and depravity and sin and were so involved in death that the only judgment that could come from that is that they would be destroyed. And destruction again is a key term throughout the Old Testament. And we get into passages like Joshua, where Joshua is told to destroy the sinful nations around them. And we have Judges, which is just a brutal book. Uh, some of it is godly, some of it isn't, but all of it shows how destructive sin is and how God uses mankind and the mess to bring about his purposes. It's an interesting book. Do read Judges. I'd highly recommend the word for word comic on that one so from the old testament we then get to the psalms and the psalmists have this view of destruction and judgment that is very clear throughout and it doesn't have any emphasis on eternal torment or ongoing experience for those 
who are deemed wicked or ungodly. We see phrases like this, the wicked are like chaff that the wind blows away. The way of the wicked leads to destruction. You, God, have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The memory of them has perished. Let the nations know they are only mortal. May you blow them away like smoke as wax melts before the fire. May the wicked perish before God. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. So notice the escape from death with God and the melting like wax, the blown away like chaff. The language is quite clear that those who are in God will remain forever. Those who are without will die, will be no more, will perish. And a psalm that I'd recommend you read to really emphasize this is Psalm 37. But we don't have time to go into that single psalm in this video. So we'll keep moving on through the Bible. And we get to Proverbs, where Proverbs says this. When the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. The way of the Lord is a refuge for the blameless, but it is the ruin for those who do evil. David, who wrote many of the Psalms, continues this theme uh, throughout his story. Now, his story shows where sin and death and the damage of sin just are so intertwined in his life. And yet he is deemed a righteous man, uh, a friend of God. Uh, his sin leads to the death of one of his sons. It leads to the death of the husband of the woman that he uh, commits adultery with, Bathsheba. It then leads to the destruction of the kingdom of Israel. Israel splits into two parts and it never recovers. A couple generations later, Babylon invades and we then see through the prophets this hope of judgment over the nations uh, and God restoring his people. And we come to phrases like this. The wicked will perish. They will be eaten up. They will be devoured. Be a corpse. They cannot endure. Their blood, uh, which is seen as the life of the creature or the life of the person, will be poured out like dust. And then the Old Testament ends with Malachi. And in Malachi 4.3 we see... The wicked will be ashes under the feet of the righteous. There is no real wriggle room for eternal torment in the Old Testament. And many traditionists will just jump straight into the New Testament saying there's nothing about hell in the Old Testament. And they're sort of right. But actually, there's a lot about judgment. And hell is the judgment of God. The images of destruction aren't reimagined or recreated in the New Testament. They are only emphasized and clarified by Jesus and the New Testament authors. So we see Jesus teaching about trees being burnt up if they don't bear good fruit. And it's burnt up in Gehenna, which is translated hell by several different translations. Now, we will look at what Gehenna is, we'll look at what Hades and Sheol is, and we'll also look at the word Tartarus in the next video. All four of these words have been translated hell, especially by the King James Version, which is ultimately confusing because they have different meanings around them. Now, Gehenna is explained by Jesus as to what he means in Matthew 10:28. He says this, we shouldn't be afraid of those who kill our bodies 
but be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in Gehenna. Gehenna, hell, or the lake of fire, destroys body and soul. Destruction of sin is complete. It will not be in the new creation. And we see this repeatedly through the New Testament. And if we have the picture of destruction and annihilation of sin in mind, when we read phrases like eternal punishment in Matthew 25, I would argue it's far simpler and far more accurate to think of death that you don't come back from as an eternal punishment. When you read phrases like in 2 Thessalonians 1.9 that say eternal destruction, again, death is an eternal destruction. It is a destruction you cannot come back from eternally. And then we look at passages like Mark 9, which talks about unquenchable fire and worms that eat uh, the flesh. And that comes from an image that Isaiah gives in Isaiah 66, 24, which talks very clearly about a corpse. And corpses don't experience the worms eating them or the flames consuming them. And so for the traditionalists to jump from Isaiah 66, 24 to Mark 9 and then suggest that people are experiencing these worms that never die is a leap of logic and a leap of interpretation actually brings other ideas into the scripture rather than letting scripture interpret itself. The scripture is clear in the Old Testament that destruction is what happens to the wicked, not some ongoing form of existence and consciousness. And so we move on to uh, the second letter of Peter and Jude, who are extremely clear that the judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah in uh, Genesis 19 is an example of what will happen to the ungodly. They will be consumed. They will be destroyed. Their smoke will go up forever. There'll be nothing left. And so this is potentially a disturbing picture. There are going to be people who are destroyed. But they aren't going to be tortured. They aren't going to be tormented. And we will look in future as to who does the destruction how does that work? Where does it come from? But for now, there is a hope. There is a hope that actually death will be defeated. John 3.16 talks about God so loving the world that he gave his only son that those who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. And John continues that theme throughout the book of John. But he also repeats it at the end of his chapter, which says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And I read from the book of Romans earlier, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come and join in this free gift. You put your trust in Jesus and you will not have to fear death. And this is the ultimate hope of Christianity because once you realize death is defeated on the cross Jesus defeated death he took on sin and shame defeated them and was resurrected the resurrection proves Jesus defeated death this is the good news the hope that's helped Christians through persecution and suffering for thousands of years it's the hope that one day like it says in Revelation 21 4 
God will dwell with his people. There'll be no more death, no more pain, no more mourning, no crying. The former things, the old things, death has passed away. So there's this hope that God offers eternal life with him and we don't have to fear death and the sin that's within our very nature, the actions we make that hurt others, that we can't avoid, that we can't cut out of our lives. We trust that God is a just God. We put our trust in him for him to rescue us from the death that we are headed towards. And that is conditional immortality, that God offers us a free gift of eternal life and we don't have to face or fear death any longer. And so we can rejoice with the words in 1 Corinthians, O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your victory? This is the hope of Christianity. And I hope that it brings you more into these videos, that it shows that there is hope even in looking into hell. You might think that this is borderline heresy. Whatever of you, please stick your comments in the comment section. I will try and include them in future videos and answer your questions. But for now, this is the Hell Project. This is where I will be defending the view that without Jesus, we are all dead. Thank you for listening, and I want to know what you think. Do get in touch. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, you can do that through uh, Twitter or my YouTube channel, but I also have the scripts and free resources and other studies that I'm continuing to engage with at uh, thehellproject.online. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support the channel and uh, the show in any way, please do go into the description of this episode and you can find a PayPal link. Otherwise, I do this all for free and I hope you found it helpful. God bless you. See you later.